Exodus 30, verses 17 through 21. These are God's words. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze, with its base also of bronze, for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to Yahweh, they shall wash with water, lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. This is the last of the pieces of furniture that we are given the design and uh, the command for. And again, uh, it's a little bit out of place uh, as far as not being listed with the other pieces of furniture. Uh, and this one isn't too difficult to uh, to figure out why it would be listed here. It's because this one was actually not being used for the service of the tabernacle. It wasn't actually being used for the sacrifices. It was being used so that when they did the service of the tabernacle or when they did the sacrifices, they wouldn't die. And so this is kind of the, the prerequisite. It's, uh, it's that thing that has to, uh, has to come before you do or use any of the other thing. And so it stands off uh, by itself here as the last of uh, the articles of the tabernacle, the last of the furnishings uh, of the tabernacle that... Uh, uh, that the Lord describes and instructs Moses in uh, its design. Uh, and there are two reasons uh, that this, uh, really this bronze bowl on a bronze stand, uh, and it's between the tabernacle uh, and the altar, so that uh, if you're going to go to the altar and, and offer a burnt offering, you quick, you go to the, the bowl and uh, you wash your hands and your feet and you, you go there. Uh, and if you're needing to go into the tabernacle, well, it's right there in between the altar and the tabernacle, and you can wash your hands and your feet uh, and go there. And so there are, uh, there are two things that we learn, even in this brief description, uh, of especially of its purpose. Uh, first, the, we learn the filthiness of sin, the filthiness of sin, and second, we learn the guiltiness uh, of sin, the filthiness uh, of sin we learn uh, by their need for this continual washing, uh, and the guiltiness of sin we learn uh, by the warning that is repeated: "Lest they die." Uh, so first, the the filthiness of sin. Uh, if you uh, wash your hands and your feet, uh, and uh, you walk across uh, uh, from the uh, from the laver, from the bowl uh, to the altar, or, or from the bowl to the tabernacle, uh, you are now with uh, uh, with your clean hands and feet uh, going. But uh, that is not uh, what makes us clean. It is it is it is not dirt uh, that makes us uh, sorry. It is not dirt that makes us dirty. This was the mis- this was the mistake that Uzzah made, wasn't it? 
You remember when uh, Israel had disobeyed the Lord and the cart was toppling and it was going to land in the dirt. And so Uzzah, uh, out of, we assume, sincerity, but a lack of instruction, he reaches out to, to stop it from hitting the dirt. Sadly, as soon as he touched it, it hit something far more dirty than dirt. It hit Uzzah. And Uzzah died. This is one of the great mistakes, isn't it, that the Pharisees made. They were so concerned with outward cleanliness. Perhaps even in part because of the design of the wash bowl and needing to wash your hands and your feet before you go and do anything. And, uh, and so like a good Pharisee and you're mounting up your, uh, your applications, which end up being rules and traditions that outweigh in our hearts and minds the actual things that God has commanded, you say, well, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all unto the glory of God. Uh, And so uh, if you're a priest and you're going to go offer a a sacrifice, wash your hands first. Uh, If you're a priest and you're going to go into the temple, wash your hands first. Now, if you're an Israelite and you're going to eat, wash your hands first. And it wasn't so that they wouldn't, you know, ingest norovirus and end up, um, you know, puking and you know being miserable uh, with all the things that uh, people have been struggling with it's good to wash your hands uh, to protect yourself from viruses but this isn't protecting yourself from a virus this is protecting yourself from the fury of the wrath of god Uh, this is uh, to wash your hands and feet lest you die and what did jesus say to the pharisees who were so concerned that his disciples hadn't washed their hands before they ate. And didn't he tell them, that, don't you understand that it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him? It's what comes out of a man's heart that defiles him. Do you really think in Exodus chapter 30, the problem is uh, that they might have some dirt under their fingernails or they might have gotten their, their feet sandy or muddy? No. It is as a reminder, a continual reminder to them uh, of the filthiness of their sin. Sin is dirtier than dirt. And here's the problem. They're sinners. And so they're always getting dirty. It's kind of like our dog. Uh, uh, Our dog uh, cannot stand to be clean. The first thing she'll do if you get any cleanliness on her is she will run outside and find the dirtiest, nastiest refuse or decomposing animal to rub the stink all back onto herself again. Well, sadly for us who are descended from the first Adam, we are like that with our sin. No sooner have we cleansed our consciences and come to God for forgiveness through Jesus Christ and had our fellowship with him and his worship than we immediately run out and what do we do? We start sinning again. And so every time they come back either to offer a sacrifice or, or to, to, uh, to serve in the tabernacle, every time they come back to worship God, what have they done since the last time they've been worshiping God? They've been sinning. It's not like they were such clean priests, but oh no, they've been out among those dirty people again and uh, they got the people's dirt on. No, they have plenty of dirt of their own. Isn't this what Hebrews says? Why they needed to offer the sacrifices, both for their own sins and for others. Isn't that why Jesus' sacrifice is so much better? Because there are no sins of his own and his is infinitely valuable uh, and with nothing to address in him, his sacrifice addressed for us. And we'll be thinking about that in terms of 
uh, of the cleansing, especially when we get uh, to verse uh, 21, the, the second half of verse 21 there. So not only were the people sinful, but they were sinful. And uh, and they kept having to wash. And now uh, we've already mentioned the, the sacrifice of, uh, of Christ uh, as compared uh, to this. And one of the things that, or as compared to the sacrifices that Aaron and his sons uh, offered, the Levites offered, Levitical priests offered on behalf of the people of Israel. And one of the things that Hebrews says is that you could tell that the blood of bulls and goats was not actually taking away sin. How could you tell? Because it had to be offered again and again and again and again. Uh, every day, twice a day, every year, day of atonement, year after year, uh, the, the same sacrifices continually. It was waiting and looking forward to the once for all sacrifice of Christ. Uh, and what the, what the Spirit tells us in the book of Hebrews is that if you were an Old Testament believer, believer offering these bulls and goats, you should know what we were singing just now in Psalm 51. That the blood of bulls is not what God is uh, seeking from us and for us in his worship. But it's the contrite heart. It's the heart that looks to God himself to be the one who washes us clean. Even before the details of God becoming a man so that he has blood with which to wash us clean, David, by the Spirit in Psalm 51, was praying, I need cleansing from God because sacrifices of bulls can't take my sin away. And there's no washing on earth that can take my sin away. But if God washes me, if God washes me, I will be clean. I'll be whiter than snow. And God has given his people, even in the Old Testament, even in the tabernacle that he is describing the construction of now, he has given his people a form of worship that says, God does wash sinners. And so they were hoping in God's atonement for them, and they were hoping in God's washing them. They were hoping, looking forward to Jesus Christ. And you and I, we must do the same every time. What have we been doing when you come to God for your private worship uh, this afternoon or this evening or maybe tomorrow morning? What will you have been doing since the last time you were worshiping God, whether it's just now in the assembly or whether it had been with your family or whether it was another time? You were making yourself filthy with your sin, weren't you? You can't just come waltzing into his presence. And so we do that, don't we? Or I hope we do. I hope you do. And if not, the Holy Spirit helping you apply this uh, in your own worship of God, I hope you will. That every time you come to God to worship him, you begin laying hold of the blood of Jesus Christ and the washing work, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And you embrace that God has cleansed you so that you, yes, you have you know, been rolling around in sinful filth since the last time you you. Uh, you worshiped him, but you don't come dirty. You make your stop at the bowl, as it were, uh, at the, the, the bronze bowl with the water, except for there is no bronze bowl with water. Why? Because you have your heart sprinkled clean. You have your conscience sprinkled clean and your body washed with pure water. God has given you a once-for-all washing uh, that replaces, uh, among other things, it replaces many things, but it replaces, among other things, this repeated washing over and over again. Because if Jesus has made you clean, you are clean indeed. This is why 
uh, you know, Peter couldn't get extra washing credit when Jesus was washing their feet. He, you know, that was actually, you know, you know good hygiene uh, and appropriate custom for the meal that they were about to eat. That wasn't, um, but the Lord was teaching them a uh, spiritual lesson there as well um, in terms of his service and his being among them as one who serves, one who uh, loves us. Well, every time uh, we come uh, to worship the Lord, we should come embracing the cleansing of Christ, hating our sin again, receiving that hatred of sin. Nowhere do you hate sin more, do you, than when you're in the presence of God. You know, probably this was true even for those ironic priests, well, a converted one. Uh, a converted ironic priest and there would be no time in his life where he hated the fact that he was a sinner and the fact that he had sinned more than when he was about to come before the holy god uh, for worship and nowhere in our christian life and so the the need to come to god to worship but the need to come to god as those who are cleansed to worship it helps us uh, to hate our sin and uh, we come uh, having been cleansed uh, once for all, but hating sin, uh, and it makes us uh, it makes us uh, remember uh, that uh, we don't want to be those uh, who have been sinning. So, uh, a couple of ways that this helps us: one, when we are worshiping, having to come through the blood of Christ, having to come by the help of the Holy Spirit, having to come. First, repenting and believing and, and embracing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it reminds us of the greatness of the God who has saved us. Right? I mean, think about the, the warm-up to worship for the, for the Aaronic priests that's commanded here. That they wash lest they die. And if you think if you think you're going to be careful to do it and you're, you're going to do it well, it'd be like in the early days uh, of, uh, of COVID when... Uh, some people, you know, weren't really sure what was going on. You remember the the healthcare workers and you know all the rigmarole. Boy, were they going to be clean? They were going to wash lest they die. Uh, and yet, the the contagion and the deadliness of sin is so much worse than than SARS-CoV-2, isn't it? Especially what we know now. Uh, it's uh, it, it's so much worse. And so they were very careful always to do it. But how that would underline to them the holiness of the God that they were about to approach. They warm up to him that way. They enter into the worship that way. Now think about the way worship begins in so many congregations now. Radio songs, mood lighting, maybe a, a little dry ice, you know, vapor, you know, so that it can be authentic. Yeah, because that's the really authentic stuff. But it's all light and welcoming and cheery, and you know, and someone comes out and you know, you know either a you know, a beta male or a, or a bouncy feminine, you know, you know, a cheerleader type, you know, getting everybody warmed up. And does that communicate to you the majesty, the holiness, the greatness of the one whom you are approaching? Well, how about instead if you come and you know you're about to enter the presence of the Holy God and you cut off the chit-chat time a little early and you come and you find your seat in the pew and you sit down and you thank God 
for the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you thank God for the almighty work of his Holy Spirit who is with you, who is your helper, that the only way that you're actually going to survive this worship service is by the cleansing that God has given you in Christ. Now you're embracing the gospel. Now you're the recipient uh, of much forgiveness. And he who is forgiven much loves much. That's stirring up your heart to him, but it's stirring up your heart to him in a way that says, the one whom I am approaching now is the great God of heaven. He is the holy, holy, holy one. And he has not just filled the heavens with his glory, but even the whole earth is full of his glory. And he has given me this way of coming to him through the cleansing that is mine, not now not out of a bronze bowl of water on a bronze pedestal, but the cleansing that is mine once for all in Jesus Christ as applied to me by the work of his Holy Spirit. He's given me this way of coming to him so that I might be reminded of the greatness of the God who has saved me. And, and then what do we learn from him? And what is the worship? It's, it's the fact that he has given himself to us. He hasn't just given us the, the, the forgiveness of our sins and a you know, get to fish forever on your favorite lake in the sky card. No, it is this God of glory, this God of holiness, who is himself his own gift to us in the worship and everlastingly by the salvation that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the redemption that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that helps us while we're worshiping. But then if you have that experience in worship, that helps you when you're not worshiping too. Because when you come to worship, you don't want to come with your heart and your mind loaded with all of the sin that you've committed since the last time you worshiped, you don't want to increase that load. You don't want to be someone who, who never thinks about God at all. And every time you come back to worship him, now you're realizing, oh, I've just filled my heart up on the things of this world. And I've filled my heart up on light and momentary pleasures when I, I should have been enjoying God and living for God. And I've thought of it as no big deal to sin. And then you come back to worship God and you have to come by the cleansing of Christ. And you realize there's a whole lot of dirt. Right? If, if, you, had to, if you had to wash every time, I mean, very kind of physically, materially speaking, the, the Aaronic priests, if they had to wash every time, they would, even with physical dirt, you know, maybe... Try not to get their hands so dirty. Try not to get their uh, their feet so dirty. You know, if you're a kid whose mom uh, makes you wash your hands good before you can eat supper, and you know supper's coming soon, uh, you want to make sure that, that you're keeping yourself clean and you're getting yourself clean. Or if you're a wicked kid, you're just trying to deceive your mama. And I know you're all wicked kids. But the Lord helping you, you'll want to honor your mama and obey her. Well, the filthiness of sin, and we've already touched a little bit on the guiltiness of sin. Not only does he say twice, uh, wash their hands and their feet, verse 19, wash their hands and their feet, verse 21, and then once wash with water, um, 
uh, verse 20. Uh, and so you have those things repeated in order to communicate the filthiness of, of sin. Uh, but you also have repeated the lest they die uh, in verse 20. And then again, lest they die in verse 21, <coughs> underlining the guiltiness of sin and the deadliness of that guilt. You know, we should be amazed that we have made it this far into singing about and praying and hearing um, the word of the Lord, the worship of the Lord, and we're still alive and we're not in hell. God is basically reminding them it's a miracle that any sinful creature could survive drawing near to God. And there were times when they didn't. Right? Two of Aaron's four sons, 40% of the priesthood, died on the last day of their ordination week. Why? Because they did not regard as holy the God to whom they were drawing near. And that's what Moses tells Aaron. He says, don't mourn for them. This is what the Lord has said. By those who draw near to me, I will be regarded as holy. You know, when we have our, our private worship, and I hope you take to heart, uh, is actually in, in connection with having uh, prepared in, in this passage, that, uh, in part that that was uh, on my mind for the application this morning. Um, when you have private worship in which you're actually engaging the living God, and sometimes, you know, it's in the morning and your brain is foggy and your heart is cold and you're actually coming to him for the grace that you need to have your heart warmed up to him, to live in fellowship with him that day. One of the takeaways when you're done is a miracle I survived. Truly, the, right, the righteousness of Christ is perfect. Truly, the atonement of Christ is rich because I just came to God through Jesus, and I came in great imperfection. I came as a sinner. I even sinned while I was worshiping, and I survived it. It's not the water that actually kept them from dying. It's that the God who had commanded the water had commanded it as a form of looking to him for his salvation, for his cleansing, that salvation and cleansing which would ultimately come in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one of our great joys of worship, not just um, that it's a miracle that we survive. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, you're thinking, well, I've never I've never really felt like that at the end of a worship service. Well, that's because we're not aware of who we are and we're not aware of who God is. If we are aware of his majesty and holiness and if we were aware of our sinfulness and its filthiness and its guiltiness, we would be amazed at the end of every worship service that we had survived it. But that amazement comes with joy because we realize I am safe in the presence of God. He is able to present me in his presence faultless and with great joy. That wonderful and you know sometimes doxology is benediction. I know that, uh, that, that Dr. McGraw drew a distinction between those two. But if God is your blessedness, you can do two things at once. 
you can declare the glory of God that is the blessedness of his people. Now to him who is able to present you faultless before his presence with great joy, not just merely surviving his presence, but able to delight in his presence, able to revel in his presence. And knowing that you who do that already in your current partially sanctified state, how great is the salvation with which Christ has saved you and how much more will your enjoyment of him and your safety with him and your delight in his presence be when his work is done. You see, Christ's cleansing would be one for all, once for all, and it would not need to be repeated. Theirs had to be repeated. It shall be a statute forever to them, verse 21, to him, that is Aaron and his descendants, throughout their generations. Now it sounds like something (coughs) that is really going to last, but it's a little bit counterintuitive. First of all, they have to do it over and over and over again. Second of all, throughout their generations, implies throughout their generations as priests. But there's coming a day when the Levitical priesthood will end. The great priesthood in the Bible is not the priesthood of Aaron. It's the priesthood of Melchizedek. Remember how Hebrews draws that comparison? You've got that priesthood uh, uh, that has a beginning in time and an end in time, and that's Levi, Aaron, and his sons. And then you have that priesthood that is without beginning and without end, uh, which, you know, depending on, well, it is quite likely that Melchizedek is actually a Christophany, a pre-incarnation appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either way, if he's not, then he's a marvelous type of Christ. But without beginning, without end, the king of righteousness, which is his name, and the king of peace, which is his title. And his priesthood is forever. It has no expiration date. You see, he is the only one who has a contagious cleanliness. We all have contagious filthiness, right? If I'm unclean and you touch me or I touch you, you become unclean, right? If one of you has norovirus, and I, I hope all the norovirus people are safe at home convalescing, uh, but if one of us touch the other one, you don't get healthy from my healthiness, do you? No, we both you know, puke and spend a lot of time in the restroom. Jesus is the only one who touches the unclean and isn't made filthy by their uncleanness. He actually made display of this, didn't he, in Matthew chapter 8. You remember there's, there's a leper who says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You remember what Jesus does? He touches him. Who would touch a leper? Well, the one who has such cleansing in himself that when he touches us in our filth, He makes us clean. The only time he ever had any sin uh, 
reckoned to his account, imputed to his account, was on the cross. When God made him who knew no sin for those hours, in order that he could be exhibited as a propitiation, in order that he could suffer all the wrath that we deserve, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He is not made filthy by us. We are made clean by him. And so uh, whether you're coming to the public worship or whether you're about to have family worship, and uh, often I know how families are. We've got eight kids. It's not somehow miraculously not chaotic in our house. Um, But that's part of that, that kind of procedure, that order that I was talking about earlier, that one of the things that we do well, the first one of the first things that we do, you know, God made everything. God helps us. So let's worship God. And then it's let's pray. And often dad's heart is you know, starting in first gear and it's like driving a manual. And you gotta go slow at first and you know, there's a lot of moving parts, but dad embraces the righteousness of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and looks to the Father for both. And as the Lord warms his heart up and helps him to embrace God in the gospel, he's leading his family and embracing God in the gospel. And this is how we worship. Coming for the cleansing of Christ every time we come to draw near to God. Lord, help us to do that, whether it's public worship or family worship or your own private worship, so that we may enjoy the blessing for which God gave them this bronze bowl and bronze pedestal. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you for this passage, how we thank you for your design, uh, not just to make it safe for us who, who are sinners, but to cleanse us from our sin in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for that righteousness that has been counted for us once for all. We thank you for that sacrifice that has put away our sin once for all. We thank you for giving us that one-time work of your Holy Spirit to join us to Jesus by faith in which we were justified. We thank you for the ongoing um, uh, access that we have to the grace Uh, in which we stand by faith to continually lay hold of that which you have done, both in Christ's life and by your Spirit in joining us to him through faith. And we pray, Lord, that you would keep us worshiping and that as we keep worshiping, you would keep us coming through the cleansing of Christ, that we might exult in your greatness and your holiness, that we might rejoice that your salvation is such that we have been made safe in your presence and clean in your presence through Jesus Christ, that we might be the better helped to hate the contamination of sin when we're not at worship. Oh Lord, for all the good reasons for which you have given us this passage, we pray that your Holy Spirit would keep applying it to our hearts and to our minds, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.